TV, comics, movie stars, hit singles and some toys. It's trivia and dirty jokes, an evening with the boys. Once is never good enough for something so fantastic. So here's another Gilbert and Franks. Here's another Gilbert and Franks. Here's another Gilbert and Franks. Colossal classic. Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre. Our guest this week is a writer, author, playwright, director, producer, and Emmy and Tony-winning performer of the stage and screen. You've seen his work in feature films like Summer of Sam, Romeo and Juliet, Moulin Rouge, Carlito's Way, Casualties of War, Empire, Ship, The Lincoln Lawyer, John Wick, Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, and the Ice Age franchise, just to name a few. He's even shared the screen with yours truly in the hit film Dr. Doolittle where I played a dog and he played a rat. Uh, You might also know him from his highly acclaimed series of one-person Broadway and off-Broadway shows, including Mambo Mouth, Spicorama, Freak, Sexaholic, Skiddo Clown, and his most recent show, Latin History for Morons. In a long and very diverse career, this man has appeared in over 100 motion pictures. And he's worked with everyone from Al Pacino to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Played to sold-out crowds all over the world. Authored a highly entertaining memoir and won dozens of awards. He's also been named a cultural ambassador of New York City Office of Media and Entertainment and global ambassador of the arts. His new film, Critical Thinking, which he directed as well as stars in, will be released later in 2020. Please welcome to the show one of the most versatile, charismatic, and courageous performers of his generation. On the other hand, he (laughs) did turn down the movie Philadelphia to star in Super Mario Brothers. (laughs) Yeah, that wasn't too clever. (laughs) The multi-talented John Leguizamo. How you doing, man? Thank you for that intro. Wow. John, welcome. I'm tired. Hey, Frankie, what's up? How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Uh, I know. I can't can't believe I turned down Philadelphia. I thought Super Mario Bros. was going to be huge. (laughs) You know? And it wasn't. It wasn't. What happened with Super Mario Bros.? 
what happened? <laughs> you, you, you didn't see it? Yeah, I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what happened if you saw it. It didn't go off the way everybody, everybody thought it was going to be the big hit, the birth of uh, video game movies. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. It was. It was. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I, I don't want to denigrate it because kids love it. Well, they're not kids anymore. They're like in their mid twenties, but but they love it. And you know, I was with Bob Hoskins, who just won an Oscar, of course, and and Dennis Hopper, Easy Riders, and uh, and you know, we we had a great time off camera. I I heard the movie came out so badly that the studio told the actors, when you do these press junkets, don't say how bad that would be. Well, that's just, that's just a good rule in general. <laughs> if you know it sucks, don't go around saying it because you're going to make it suck even more. Was there someone who, who contacted you? Do I have this story right? Was there a porn star who loved the film? Oh, and, my God. Do yeah. I have this? Yeah, this is true. I, I was. It was my birthday, and... <laughs> <laughs> and a poor star contact me. I won't. I won't say her name, but her initials yeah. are, are PK. And okay. uh, we'll figure it out. <laughs> you might. You might, rabbit. You might. You might. Uh, and uh, and and we went out for uh, you know a, a date and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> because she loves Super Mario Brothers. She loved it, and she there goes, go. "I would do anything to Luigi." <laughs> so that- so there's a perk. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would say. Yeah. And I also heard, like, uh, Dennis Hopper's kid asked him, his son said, uh, why did you do Super Mario Brothers? <laughs> and Dennis Hopper said, so I could buy you shoes. <laughs> it's probably and, true. Yeah. And his son said, I don't need shoes that, that badly. <laughs> What, what was he like, John Hopper? Oh, Dennis was incredible, man. He was so fun. He was so quirky. He he really wanted to create like this method dinosaur gangster, and he would walk around like a T Rex, like with little tiny T Rex hands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was method. Yeah, he was method, and then he had his hair done like a T Rex, and he, he was just a fun guy, you know. And we would we would do all these uh, Fiona, one of the great British. Uh, Show off, Fiona Shaw, one of the great British uh, Shakespearean actresses, uh-huh. would organize these weekends where we would read one of the great Shakespeare plays, all of us. And Bob Hoskins would show up, and Fisher Stevens, and uh, and Dennis Hopper, and it was it was just an amazing time off camera. It just was. <laughs> <laughs> by the, just, by the, it just wasn't on camera. I mean, another good thing that came from this was your your relationship with Fisher, who you later collaborated with. Oh, Fish and I became best yeah. friends. Yeah. Fish and I actually became best friends on uh, at the public theater because we were doing we were doing uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh, I see. And I was playing Puck, and I thought, you know, I'm method. I studied with Lee Strasberg. Actually, he died when I was in his class doing an exercise. <laughs> my my acting killed him, uh, true truthfully. And so I was playing Puck, and so I started playing practical jokes on the cast. And I, I bought itching powder at the joke store and put it in Fisher's underwear before his his uh, wedding nuptial sex scene. And then all of a sudden, I'm backstage going, they're going to love me. I'm going to be, they're just going to put me on their shoulders and carry me off into like the funniest gag ever made. 
and Fisher starts screaming on stage, ow, ow, my balls are on fire. Ah! <laughs> and I was like, uh-oh, that, sh- that shit didn't go right. <laughs> and then I was fined by, by equity and basically, right. basically I was subsidizing Shakespeare with being fined for paying and getting paid no, no salary. It's, but then it's, we became it's, best friends. It's in the book too, the story of you playing Puck and 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 you how how would how would we put it? Running afoul of F. Murray Abraham? Yeah, I love F. Murray. He lives right next door to me in, in, in Manhattan downtown. I see him all the time. He looks great. And uh he was just he just won his Oscar for Salieri and Amadeus. Right. And I'm this loud mouth kid. <laughs> and and he's on stage and he comes back and he goes, John, he gets on his knees. Please, I beseech you. I allow you the time when you're on stage. I don't talk while you're talking. Can you allow me? Can you be, I beseech you. And I was like, come on, Murray, get up, man. Come on. And he had his, he had his Oscar. He was holding his Oscar. Unbelievable. And beseeching me. And of course, I never talked again when he was on stage. Walked around with his Oscar. You would too, if if, if you could. Oh, and I, I just remembered one of the best, just getting back to Super Mario for another second. Yeah, go ahead. Why not? <laughs> He's going to uh, keep hopping on Super Mario. One of yeah, the yeah. reviews was like the tagline on the poster was, this ain't no video game. And uh, some reviewer, his whole review was, <laughs> the poster says, this ain't no video game. And they're right. Video games are entertaining. Oh, 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 man, that's harsh. That's harsh. Did you break Bob Hoskins' finger? This is true. This is true. Uh, Bob and I were having such a hard time with the movie that he started saying, John, let's get back to my trailer and have some more sensations. And I wasn't sure what he meant by that. I mean, I liked them, but I didn't like them like that. And he goes, no, you bloody cunt. It's a, it's a libation. So we would go back and have some whiskey. And then we started having too many whiskeys. And I'm a lightweight. And all of a sudden, it was my big stunt day. We were going to do, I was going to drive the, the Super Mario Brothers van and save Peach, uh, Princess Peach. And I had too many. And they go like, five minutes, Mr. Legos. I'm like, I can't, I can't go and drive. I, I'm drunk. And Bob's like, hey, Geisha, you can't do this, this stunt. I go, Bob, please let me. I got this. is my big macho stunt in the movie. So I'm driving the van. Bob's standing there all virile-like. Come on, let's get this going before I forget what is I did for a living. You can't understand them unless you have subtitles. <laughs> and and I, I, it was a manual truck. I thought it was automatic. And I never drove manual before. So, like, I'm jamming the clutch and the brake first, second, third, fourth. Eventually, I, I get it going and I step on the brake too hard. And the door comes flying out and breaks all of Bob's little fingers. Oh, unbelievable. And he's like in a Cockney Tourette's, like, <laughs> geezer, Coke and Co, crispy duck. <laughs> they taped it. They taped his hand. So he had to, like, shoot the gun with his hand taped oh to the gun. Oh, my God. Hell of an actor, Bob Hoskins. Oh, what a great actor, man. He was so fun. And he could do that Brooklyn accent. You know, remember when he yes. always... When he talks, he talks like this here. When he's doing like, you know, he's doing a Brooklyn. It sounds so good. Then you know, it, the, the yell cut. He's like, oh, I'm going back to my trailer for, for a little more sensation. <laughs> now, do you remember uh, when we met? Okay. Uh, I was I was going. I was flying from New York to L.A. 
and uh, I'm walking down the aisle. I find my seat, and you were sitting in the other seat. And we looked at each other, <laughs> smiled, nod, nodded our heads, and for the entire six-hour flight, <laughs> never said a fucking word. <laughs> because when I'm on the plane, I don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> Even though I was like, oh, my God, I'm so excited to see you. I was like, but I don't want to talk. And obviously, and obviously you didn't want to talk either. Yeah. <laughs> were you guys working? Were you busy? Were you reading scripts or buried in something? I, I'm just tired all the time. So I yeah. was like, this is my time to shut down and not talk to anybody. I see. And and it was even even when either one of us had to go to the bathroom, we, put, <laughs> we would push past the other one. <laughs> not, without, <laughs> not even an excuse me. <laughs> no. <laughs> we were so like, this is our chance to, you know, Debrief, you know what I mean? You guys could have spent six hours talking about your shared love of cinema and Jerry Lewis. Well, 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 Dean. Wow. <laughs> nice lady. I love Jerry Lewis. Was the Did you ever meet Jerry, John? No, no, I never met him. Did you, uh, Gilbert? Uh, yeah, a couple of times I met him. And I can honestly use that uh, old cliche. Well, he was always nice to me. Right. Because he wasn't, yeah. sometimes he wasn't so no. nice. Yeah. Was the pest I was lucky. Was the pest, John, an attempt to make a Jerry Lewis, your Jerry Lewis movie? You know, maybe subconsciously. I think it might have been a combination of that and Mel Blanc's Bugs Bunny. Yeah. You're also like a, a big Mel Blanc guy. Oh, huge, huge. He's a, he's a comedy god. You know, all those voices. It's unbelievable that he could do all the voices talking to each other. And you and you couldn't tell it was the same guy. You you know the story about Mel Blanc and the car accident? No, no. I, Gil, tell him. Can tell him. Yeah, that's where Mel Blanc got into a horrible car accident, and uh, he was in a coma. True. And and the doctor kept coming into the room and trying to get him to talk, and he said, "Mr. Blanc, Mel, Mr. Blanc, Mel," and no answer. And finally, the doctor stopped and he said, uh, I want to speak to Bugs Bunny. Oh, and, wow. And from the coma, he goes, watch up, Doc. Oh, wow. And, and then he said, I want to speak to Daffy Duck and Porky Pig. And he could do all the voices. But he couldn't talk it as himself. He wouldn't. Yeah, as himself. Imagine if that happens to us. Yeah. <laughs> all, all we can talk is like Sid the Sloth, or you know, are, are, you, are you the parrot, right? Yeah, Iago. Yes, yes. Pull the plug, please. Please pull the plug. Kavorkian me, please. John, talk a little bit about growing up in Queens. You're for your local product from Jackson Heights. You know, I told you know I'm from Ozone Park. You know, Gilbert's from Coney Island. Gilbert, John wanted to know if you wrote the Cyclone. Uh, yeah, I I was on it. I think I was on the Cyclone once. Before uh, it fell and apart? That, yeah, that was where I wasn't... When I was uh, being raised there, I well, I, li I lived there till I was five. And we'd go to Steeplechase a lot. Oh, yeah. And, um... But, yeah, I rode the Cyclone once. That's... What's scary about the cyclone is you think it, it is going to 
fall apart. Well, and ha- yeah, yeah. It did not look like it was maintained. Yeah. Gilbert, you, you, I always like to think of you as Alvy Singer living under the cyclone. Oh, yes. That, everybody <laughs> asks me that. <laughs> but I jo- thought that's why you were so loud, because you lived right next to it and you couldn't hear yourself. <laughs> That's why. That's why. Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> Gilbert would have drowned out the cyclone. Oh, he would have. Reminds me of the bit from your show about how every time your dad said something important, the train went by. Oh my God! Because we did. We lived. We lived. We lived on the second floor, right across from the L. Mm-hmm. So if you were watching like a, a mystery movie or a, a whodunit, a murder mystery thing, all of a sudden they would go, and the killer is, and you hear the train go. And you would never know. <laughs> so that's how I think I learned how to write, because I'd never heard <laughs> who the villain was, who the killer was. So I had to make it up in my head. We've talked to a lot of funny people on this show, John. One something that keeps coming up, and Gilbert, we've referred to it. A lot of people that went into comedy because they had maybe one depressed parent or two depressed parents. Jackie Gleason being a good example. Yeah, or a, like a, a sick parent or a sick parent that they would try uh, to cheer up gene wilder um jan murray a bunch of people like for for you two things you said it was it was a way to get your father a way to get to stay on your father's good side to make him laugh but also a survival tactic you know regarding the streets growing up in the streets yeah i mean i mean comedy became a way for me to survive everything because there was white flight in my neighborhood. You know, all the Irish people were leaving, the Jewish people, the Germans. They were all run away. But before they left, they wanted to beat me up. <laughs> get one in. <laughs> get one in. Oh, get that little cockroach before I leave. I'll punch him in the face. <laughs> hey, you better not touch my daughter, you mook. Hey, here, you better ping, you know. So I got a lot of beatings there. And then I'd go home, and my father was, like, seriously autocratic. Uh-huh. Like he thought he was running a military operations. He he would be whacking us all the time as well. So I, if I made him laugh, I would be spared. So it became sort of my survival mechanism to stop the guys from beating me up and keep my dad from beating me up. So that that's what saved me. So you brought all ethnic groups together to kick you against ass. me. Yes. <laughs> I unified them against me. They had a common enemy. <laughs> The Latin guy moving into their hood. Yeah. You also said you developed your ear for dialects and for and for characters in in the hood because everybody was represented. That's right, because everybody, we had the nice Jewish lady who lived across the street, and she go, you want to come over and have a little, we'll give you a little uh, uh, lox and bagels, it'll be fantastic. As soon as I can say. And then, and then the Jamaicans moved in. Yeah, man, come over here. I'll be working five jobs. I got a car, a, a Jamuber. You know, so I, I heard accents all day long, and it was like it was like candy to my ears. You know, I loved it. Yeah, was Coney Island like that too? Was it a total melting pot? Coney Island, I don't remember if it was a complete one yet. Uh, I I just, I mean, I just remember uh, going to, you know, going to Steeplechase. Yeah, but I I remember. Oh, also, I remember. They used to give us these when you uh, you paid money to get into the to the rides, and they'd give you a little round card with circles, and they'd punch out the circle when you get on the ride. So we used to put our fingers and thumbs over the hole 
So they would give us a second ride. <laughs> you were working the system, Gil. Yeah, then. yeah, yeah. Gaming it, gaming it. Yeah, we, we used to do that with bus passes. We used to split them. We used to get one, and you used to split it in half really carefully, and and you give it to somebody who didn't have it, and they can get on the bus because they would show the back, and you'd show the front. Oh, wow. You guys yeah. never crossed the paths in the clubs because, John, you know, we were talking on the phone last night, and I, I, John and I have a little shared history because I used to see John perform, what are we talking about, the 80s? Yeah, 80s, mid-80s. PS-122 and Surf Reality. And and, and uh, did you go to Catch a Rising Star 2 and comic strips and oh, Roddy Dangerfields? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, improv. Oh, yeah. I never saw were, you there in were the two scenes Because there were two scenes. There was the uptown scene, which was all comedy clubs, mm -hmm. and there was the downtown scene, which was performance art. So it was the kitchen, PS one twenty two, home, uh, First like Amendment, First Amendment. Yep. And and it was just a little different. It was more story based. Right. And uptown was all comedy clubs, so it was more commercial and much more set up joke, set up joke rhythms. And then and, there, there there were so many uh, clubs that along the way that would open up. They'd be open for like two weeks. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and, then, and then close like that, like gone. Yes. My all-time favorite, as far as cringeworthy comedy uh, club titles, there was a comedy club called Sir Laughs-A-Lot. <laughs> Sir Laughs-A-Lot. Yeah, yeah. That, that sounds like the bottom of the barrel. Oh, Beyond. So that, that stayed in my mind all these years. Did, did you ever? You should do West Beth Comedy Club. Do you remember West Beth Comedy Club? I do. Oh, yeah, there I was do. that. I also remember doing a club called Gil Hodges Grand Slam Lounge in Brooklyn. Where was it? In Brooklyn. Wow. <laughs> they make you travel, they don't pay you. Oh, horrible. And that was impossible. <laughs> To get yeah, to. Possibly, yeah. You had to take like three buses and two trains. You're exhausted awful. before you even performing. Yeah. And then what, you're performing to five people? Five yeah. drums? <laughs> what, what, what would I have seen you doing, John, in those spaces? I mean, this is before Mambo Mouth. So you were you were essentially working those characters? I, w I was, yeah. I was doing a, a, a girlfriend at the time, Carolyn, and I would do a sketch comedy. Yeah, and, I, I, uh, I don't remember seeing you with a, as part of a duo. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, we were part of a duo, and then I would do my own stuff with the uh, First Amendment. I I was part of the Company C, right? Which goes to show, <laughs> right. I was at the I was at the bottom of the bed. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now tell us tell us about your experience with the uh, generally very professional and good natured Steven Seagal. Oh man, <laughs> oh man! I mean, Steven, I don't even know where to begin with that guy. He's a piece of work, unbelievable. I mean, we were doing this movie called um, I've done a hundred films, so I can't remember. Uh, uh, it, it's it's with uh, Kurt Russell. Joe Morton, Oliver Platt, 
Executive decision. There That's we go. That's it. it. Executive decision. Yeah, yeah. So I was I was doing this movie, Executive Decision, with Kurt Russell and, and Steven Seagal. And Steven Seagal, in the first day of rehearsals, starts going, I'm in command. What I say is law. You guys have to listen. And I started cracking up thinking he must be joking, right? He can't, this can't <laughs> be a real line. I mean, so I started cracking. I'm like, ah, and he elbows the shit out of me, knocks all the air out of me. And I'm like, why? Why? <laughs> and, then I, and then he was supposed to die like the first 10 minutes. I was there. I was the first one to show up on the set to watch his imaginary death, which because I was trying to pretend it was real. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what is up with that guy? I don't know. He was, he was difficult, man. He didn't know his lines. He always showed up late. Didn't, didn't want to come out of his trailer when he was supposed to die. Yeah, he hosted an infamous episode of Saturday Night Live that I don't think they're 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 in a rush to re, to repeat. He's a, he's a, he used to beat up stunt guys. That was the the the, the stories I've heard is they used to yeah. beat up stunt guys on purpose and not care. And finally, one stunt guy supervisor said, "You want to fight my guys? You're gonna fight me." And he put put him in a he, in a headlock and had him on the ground. He goes, "Next time you hurt one of my guys, I'm gonna hurt you bad." Wow. Because he didn't respect people. He didn't have any respect for people. You can't come to a set and treat everybody like that. Gil, did you ever run into Steven Seagal? Uh, no, but I remember one time on Saturday Night Live, I forget the host, uh, but they did a scene where he's the host is talking to uh, Lorne Michaels. And he says, oh, I screwed up the beginning of the show. You must think I'm the biggest jerk to be on Saturday Night Live. And Lorne Michael goes, uh, no, that was Steven Seagal. Oh, yes. <laughs> the reputation precedes yeah. him. John, do you remember Gilbert on SNL for one season? Of course. Of course I do. <laughs> oh, geez. How do you forget Gilbert? He came on the scene like a comet. Yeah. I, I try to forget that season. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to ask you about regarding Henry, but uh, one thing... Because you talk about it in the book and how it's not that role was not one of your prouder moments. See, but, but, no, no, but no, regarding wait. Henry came out, there were about three movies that came out at the same time. Regarding Henry was um, uh, you'll be a better person with a bullet. In your yes. Head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was one with William Hurt called a doctor. Yep. That you'll be a better person if you get throat cancer. And then there was that movie, The Rape of So-and-So, where Richard Krenner. Oh, The Rape is, of Richard Beck. Yes, yes. He's a cop who gets raped. And he's a better person for it. So well, I guess they, I guess that there's a truth to that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe you do come out better on the other side of such... <laughs> Yeah, it was the '80s, man. It was the '80s. They, yeah. they were there was there was too much coke going on. There, there, there is the one anecdote about regarding Henry in the book that the crew the crew took revenge on Mike Nichols. Oh, rest in peace. I mean, yeah, I, I, I love Mike the guy Nichols. and have huge respect. Yes, but he was he was very particular about everything, and uh -huh. especially about his coffee. And he wasn't always in a great mood. And he, you know, he was he's, he he was a tough man. He was he gave he gave a lot of tough love, and he got I guess he got it back because. He complained about his coffee, saying that it tasted like this tastes like cat piss. I can't, I can't drink this. Go make another one. And he kept sending the coffee back and back till they finally peed in his coffee and they gave it to him and and he drank it and he, and he said it tasted better. That one was for you, Gil. 
<laughs> you can't, don't, the lesson is don't mess with the crew. Yes, that's what well, you're a yes. director too. Ever, you, you know yeah, that. You, can't mess. you know that. Yeah, you can't, you can't, because they, they, will, they will do things to you that you will not live down. So because of parts like the, the part in Regarding Henry, because of stereotypical parts, and you saw what was being offered Latin actors, you decided to take matters into your own hands. Yeah, right. I mean, because here I was in uh, Regarding Henry, and I'm playing a Latin guy who's a shooter, mm-hmm. you know, just demeaning and debasing and, and, and just my only opportunity. You know, like all my other friends are going like to 10 or 20 auditions a week, and I'm going to one audition every five months for something horrible. And I was like, wait a minute, we all went to acting school together. We all went to college together. Why do I have any, I don't have any opportunities. So I realized that the playing field wasn't really fair. I mean, they just weren't, they just didn't see Latin talent as viable or they didn't Mm -hmm. write Latin stories, Mm -hmm. even though we're the second largest ethnic group in America. Uh, And we've been here since the beginning of time. Uh, We didn't just get here on a boat. And, and, and so I said, I decided to write my own stuff because I was like, there's no opportunity here for me. So let me create my own. And I started doing Mambo Mouth and all of a sudden, you know, the Latin community found me. And also I had like Sam Shepard came to see my show, Arthur Miller. I mean, one of the great playwrights of all time, About Al Pacino, that. Raul Julia, uh, Olympia Dukakis, uh, John Kenny Jr. I mean, they were in my house as well as all these Latin people finally being able to see themselves reflected back, you know what I mean? So it was a powerful moment for, for all of us, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a great success story, too. I mean, an actor doesn't like the roles that he's being offered and the situation that he's being presented with, so he decides to 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 punch his own ticket, to, to write a showcase for himself. Yeah, the rejection of Hollywood yeah. helped, me re- helped me reject Hollywood back. It's great. It's a great story. And and Frank and I were talking about your experiences with Leonardo DiCaprio. And what was he like to work with? As oh, dude, he's a blast. I mean, he gives he gives 300%, bro. 300%. And and even off camera when I had scenes to do with him as Tybalt, he was back there performing it as fully as when he was in front of the camera. Wow. He's a very loyal kid. He's he, I mean, he's a young man now. He's in his 40s. He was he was he was nineteen back then. Wow, we get we got to ask about Wang Fu. Ask away. And about and about Chichi Rodriguez. First of all, did the actual Chichi Rodriguez, the golfer, sue the production? Yes, he did. Uh, <laughs> he, he was. A, I'm a famous golfer. I'm respecting your you're degrading my 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 trademark. <laughs> by by you by casting a creating a drag queen character. Right, right. Chichi. And naming it Chichi Rodriguez. Right. Did, did Julie Newmar, how did how did they work things out with Julie Newmar to use her name? She's oh, in she the was, picture. She, she, she loved it. Yeah, she yeah. loved it. She loved the tribute. She loved the fact that we were sort of worshiping her. She loved it. I mean, she was such a gracious lady and she was fun. You know, I mean, we all had a crush on her when she was Catwoman on uh, the original oh, yeah. Batman series. Of course. Of course. I told you before we had her here. Yeah. How'd she do? She was great. She told Gilbert she had a, she, she had a thing for, for short men. Oh, <laughs> Well, everybody's short with her. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. every, that's every guy. <laughs> it's it's groundbreaking too uh, that movie because it's the first time a Latin drag queen was was presented in a major motion picture. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I took it very seriously, man. I knew I knew I was representing a marginalized group that never got any screen time, and I didn't want to do a spoof or a parody. I wanted to do something with dignity. So we 
we spent a lot of time with real drag queens and and they took us to all these clubs that were underground in Manhattan, uh, La Escuelita. Uh, I can't remember all of them now because it was it, this was 94. But we went to all the clubs and with, with Swayze and Wesley Snipes. And, and the guys were great, man. I mean, they, they were all open to, to sharing experiences and they all taught us how to be. Sure. You know, how, how, how do they think as women? How do they move as women? And, and we tried to, you know, do the best we can. I stopped eating meat for eight months before the movie. I, I was running, trying to lose all my muscle, you know, just so you could look more, more feminine. She, uh, uh, I was going to say she, he's a fascinating character, uh, 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 Chi Chi. He's he's in a way he's the most sympathetic of the, of the of the right, three right. characters. Right, right. He's 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 the underdog. She's he's, yeah. she's she's the underdog. Yeah. And you wanted you wanted the character. You wanted it was important to you that the character have an arc. Oh yeah, and I, wor- I worked really hard to make sure that you know I, it was it was my big opportunity. I'm here with some superstars, Wesley Snipes and Patrick Swayze. Yeah, and I and I wanted to you know still a little bit of the limelight as well. You know, so, and I know how to write, so I created this character arc of this drag queen who was learning how to be more finessed instead of so street and so ghetto mm-hmm. and and to become comfortable with her skin color because i have a lot of relatives who back in the day you, their neck would be 50 shades darker than than the face they looked like they were doing kabuki <laughs> <laughs> so i was like that was like you're not really comfortable with yourself if your face is that pale and your skin real skin is so much browner and what were your experiences with Patrick Swayze? You know, I love the guy, but we 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 ran into some. We had beef. I don't know why we had beef. We didn't. We should have never had beef. Have you noticed that a lot of people we're talking about have passed away? <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Everyone you know dies. Everybody yeah. who works with me yeah. passes away. This is a warning. You better watch out. You mentioned that in the book. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Dennis Str- Hopper. Str- Strasburg, Dennis Hopper. Strasburg, right. Bob Herbert Berghoff, my, my acting teacher. Right. Passed away as well. Yeah. Yeah, so be careful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, better, you better check your will. Consider wills. ourselves warned. <laughs> what happened with Swayze? You know, I, I don't know. Maybe we were, we were too method. I don't know what happened. Maybe we were really thinking we were women, but we started have, we started menstruating all at the same time. <laughs> and You're sharing we just, a cycle. Yeah, we were definitely sharing uh, a recycle and, and and we were we got into each other's face and and patrick's like john you go to improvise again like that and i go yeah that's what i do i improvise i make stuff up he goes well you better shut up i go you better make me shut up and so we started you know putting up our dukes ready to to hit each other and the director who's like eight months pregnant puts her belly in between please don't don't fight girls and and wesley's like don't worry hit him i, I got your back john <laughs> and they finally broke us up and you know then then we got back to normal you know we just needed to let off some steam interesting but he's 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 in he's a dress with high heels it's I'm amazing in hot pants. <laughs> by the way you know you talk about the importance of commitment uh in an actor three guys really committing to their parts oh yeah but uh, we're, we're at a time where it wasn't a thing sure, you know what it was sure at a time when it wasn't so acceptable yeah, it takes not, a lot of courage. It's not quite as shocking now. No, not, uh, not now. Uh, but but it but it must have been then. And it was yeah, bold. It, it was bold of the three of you. Yeah, because it wasn't like some like it hot, whereas two guys are acting like women to get to the hottest woman on the planet. Sure, these were three guys, and then you got two two action stars 
plant pretend to be uh, gay uh, trans women. Mm-hmm. Tell this. This one's for you, Gilbert. Tell us about the gender bender. Oh uh, yeah, this is the, the, yeah. I hope you ate already. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because they came up with. I mean, drag queens came up with this gadget. It's like a, it's like a belt that you put yourself in, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, your, your oh, junk. Geez. Your junk. You put your junk in it, <laughs> all of it, and I'm then you scared already. And then you pull. So it goes all the way behind you, like like you're fucking yourself. Wow! <laughs> and it goes all, oh. and and you hide all your junk so there's no lumps or bumps in, oh, in, 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 your, in your dress. I so I, at the end at the end of the day, you are so. I don't know how to put it, man. Just sweaty, mm-hmm. bloodless. <laughs> Wait, were you afraid you wouldn't get feeling back in your yes. dick? Yes. <laughs> you're like you're like looking at it. Please come back. Please come back. What happened with your eyebrows? Oh man, they plucked it. The drag queens kept saying, you know, we we're gonna pluck your brows. I go, you can't pluck my brows. My they frame my face. They go, no, no, drag queens, they 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 clip them all the time and they grow back, trust me. And so they pluck your brows for six months. You could see Patrick Swayze, Wesley, and I from now on, from the rest of that movie on, we don't have full brows anymore. They're like these little weird sketchy things. <laughs> Gilbert, you can don't see, pre- you can see. Don't yeah. pretend, Gilbert, that you never wore that device. <laughs> <laughs> A and, gender bender. And and one movie I always watch when it's on, where you are uh, Benny Blanco from the Bronx. Oh, yeah. With, with, that, with, with uh, Pacino and, and uh, Sean Penn. Sean Penn at his best. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, he was flick. great in that. Oh, he was incredible. He was playing Alan Dershowitz, who, oh. now is, who now is a scumbag, but back then he was a respected lawyer. Didn't and, and spe- Speaking of lawsuits, didn't Dershowitz threaten to sue the production? I, believe, I didn't know that. I believe he did. I, well, Frank, you would know. You I, know all the dirt. I believe he did. I know Chi-Chi You know sued. all the legal dirt anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I read too much. I believe I believe he tr- he threatened to sue the production for the likeness. Because uh, he did. He tried, you know, uh, Penn shaved his forehead right, and then he, right. he permed his hair. And yeah. he was doing all the all the fake coke. Did, did you run afoul of Al uh, for improvising, for being yourself on set a little you bit? Know, you know... But ha- I, I was a young punk, uh-huh. and I was really full of myself. And I, here I am with my hero, Al Pacino, the greatest actor of all time. And I just wanted to—I just wanted him to respect me, man. I wanted him to look. I'm as good as you. So when we started doing the scenes, I couldn't shut up. I was improvising like crazy, and and De Palma loved it, but Pacino didn't like it so much because I just wouldn't shut up. <laughs> and. And uh, eventually he told me, like, you know, hey, why don't you do a little less? Less is more, John. Just do less. And I'm like, wait a minute. You're doing more, but you want me to do less? I was like, nah. So I, obviously I did more. And then eventually, we, we, you know, he was going to turn me in to the producer and tell him to have me, like, fired. But he didn't. Oh, boy. And then you worked again with Pacino, and this time with Pacino and Robert De Niro. Oh, Righteous oh, Kill. Oh, yeah, Righteous Kill. Yeah, that was, that was, that was, movie was not so good. That's the one, uh, I, I read a, an article that that's the one movie that, that De Niro and Pacino both regret being in. 
And it's the first time they ever really appeared on camera because in Heat, right. that, that they, oh, yeah. they, they, they weren't together. That was a double. Oh, that's they manufactured. They manufactured oh, that scene. Oh, that restaurant scene. Yeah, that, no. that's not the two of them. That's that's wow. a, a stunt double. Wow. I I noticed it watching the movie. Oh, you did. Before, yeah, because uh, I said people were saying, "Oh, you see the two of them together," and I said, "There is not one scene in this movie that they're in the same frame." Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Gilbert. You yeah. know, it flashes to Pacino, mm-hmm. then there's a right flash over the shoulder, over the shoulder. Yes, but no, but no, but no, fifty-fifty of the two yeah. of them yet. That, that leads me to why uh, do I have this right? Harvey Keitel came to see Ghetto Clown and told Al, "You shouldn't go." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Keitel is the best. I mean, the trifecta. You, you know, De Niro, oh. Pacino, and 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 we want to we want to get Harvey here. Oh, you got it. Harvey's yeah. the best. What a sweetheart, man. He, he's a lovable dude. And he came to see. He said, "I love I love this. This show's fantastic." But Al can't see it. <laughs> and i was like i get it i get it you know nobody wants to hear like uh i mean i'm I'm not being negative on al i mean i, I, right. I have the hugest respect for him i was just talking about you know what happened with the two of us our egos clashed a little bit you know and, and it was all healthy and good you managed to be terrifying in that film you you completely disappeared into that character oh yeah you know i, I was doing a lot of research i was hanging out with real drug dealers doing their their rounds with them and, and and one of their brothers got shot and I was like wow this is I shouldn't be here <laughs> this is really dangerous wow. what an idiot I'm an actor and I could get hurt really badly but I learned a lot man I learned from watching the guys you know uh, I it, it, yeah it's it's kind of a mixed feelings for for these kids who who have all this great ambition but yet are putting it through the wrong in in, in the wrong kind of yes. path yes yes uh, and which leads me to a question, our first question from a listener, John. This is from Cliff Gottberg. Uh, welcome, Benny Blanco from the Bronx. Does he have one good Luis Guzman story? Luis Guzman story. I, I had a lot of l- great Luis Guzman stories. Uh, I, I started doing this. This Fox asked me to do my own version of In Living Color. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, and I had been working with, with Louis on... on um, Carlito's way, and I and I we we had a lot of fun off camera. We were goofing all the time, and I said, "Louis, would you come and do a workshop with me, with all these Latin actors? We were trying to do a, create a company for uh, House of Buggin. House of Buggin. And uh, and I got Louis on it, and and Louis was was hilarious on the show. He's one of my favorites. And oh, he's, 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 he's such a character. So good in Boogie Nights. Oh, he was great. That was my role. I turned it down. You did. Oh, jeez. Damn. <laughs> I told you I'm an arrogant fool. <laughs> Jesse Fernandez says when you work with Pacino in Carlito's way, his accent was at peak Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> you know, it's Did interesting you... what happened to Pacino because because for a while I mean he had he had that great voice, but then eventually became like I, I, I say boy I say boy you're a chicken hog boy. <laughs> it, it's so funny because I was watching Godfather Two where he barely moves his face. Incredible, and, right? And, yeah. and his voice doesn't go above a whisper. But you know why? Time. That's he, he, You know, Lee Strasberg was his coach to those years. Yes. And he was one of the great acting teachers. And if you have a coach like that, you're not going to make any mistakes. And, and tell us about your experience working with Lee Strasberg. <laughs> well, come on. <laughs> Lee Lee's is the godfather of, you know, great acting in America. Yes. Uh, I mean, 
even though Brando disparages him, he did go through the through the Strasbourg Institute, James mm-hmm. Dean, mm-hmm. Uh, Pacino, obviously. Such uh, so many great great actors went through the through there, and and so I was in this actor studio, and I'm I'm in this class, you know, I'm in NYU, and I'm in in, in Lee Strasberg's class, you know, and Lee was was he was very old, and he, he talked like this, he very quietly, and he, and he he had this throat thing that he 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 would do that all the time, and he goes, but I now do an exercise. Recall the death of your dog, and and so I'm doing like you know, recalling my dog dying, and and he goes uh, pretend it's a lab, and I go, what am I white? A Labrador? I don't have Labradors. We have we have pit bulls, and um, I did my sense memory badly, and he died that night. My acting killed him. Oh, oh God! <laughs> they closed down the school and everything, and I was like, I can't believe my acting killed him. I was that bad. Wow. And didn't he say that? That uh, you're boring me. Well, oh yeah, yeah. I, but that's an old acting teacher technique to get you to do more. Oh. <laughs> hey, did you did you take acting classes, Gilbert? Uh, uh well, if you've seen any of my performances. <laughs> <laughs> so I take that as a no. <laughs> you know, John, we've asked this question of a lot of actors, and I'm going to ask you, because I heard you say that you think stand-up comedians sometimes make the best actors. Do you? Oh, th- yeah. Do you, yeah. Think, do you think Gilbert could play a dramatic role and pull it absolutely, off? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. You, you can't get a, a, a straight actor to do comedy. It's almost impossible. But you can get a comic actor to do serious acting. There you go, Gil. Yeah. Another... Especially, especially if they let him improvise. If they let him be himself, he'll he'll rock it. Another endorsement, Gil. You got one yeah. from Alan Arkin and one from John Leguizamo. Alan Arkin paid me the best compliment anyone could get. What do you say? Especially, what do you say? Especially Alan Arkin. For God's oh, my God. Sake. He's such a great actor. And he said that he thought I would make a good Willie Loman. Yeah, yeah, I could see uh, that. Uh, Death of a Salesman, Broadway, yeah. here we come. <laughs> <laughs> that brings me to a question about House of Buggin. Rob Martinez, please ask John about House of Buggin and why Fox didn't give this hilarious show a chance. And why isn't it streaming or on DVD? Well, what, what happened was that Nielsen ratings were not really in black and Latin homes. So we were underrepresented mm-hmm. because Latin and, and Latin and black people were watching House of Buggin, but maybe not as many white people. And uh, so we, I created this show with this Latin cast, and Fox wanted to keep the show going with me and and the, one of my white cast members, and they wanted me to fire the whole Latin cast and, and recast. And I said, I'm not. I'm not firing anybody. You got to fire me. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to fire my my friends. And so they they kept my format. They kept my producers, my writers, and directors that I had put together, and they turned it into Mad TV. Wow, interesting. Please, interesting. Uh, yeah, well, good, I, good for you I, for taking a stand. Oh yeah, I, I'm a loyal dude. I don't care. This this game is long. I don't need. I don't need to be playing stupid tricks. It's a long career. And speaking of Gilbert's acting. Uh, here's a good question from Mike Rusakis. I heard a rumor they're bringing back the Odd Couple for TV uh, for John and Gilbert. Who would play Gil? Who would play Felix, and who would play Oscar? Oh, that's that's tricky. That's tricky. Who, Gilbert, who do you think? Who do you think, Gilbert? Oh God, I'm kind of thinking I'd be Oscar, but 
I'm open, I'm open to arguments on that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, it, I, I could do Felix, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we could both can't be both Oscars. No. No, somebody's got to be a Felix. Too bad we didn't have, like, a, a page of the script that we could try it out here. Well, I have the script. I, no, no. I actually do have the script. <laughs> I'll scan some pages for you. We'll do it another time. I see, yeah, you, yeah. I see you guys being versatile enough to swap roles every other night. Right, right, like they did with uh, John C. Riley and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman when they right. did a True West. Oh, True, true West. West. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Very good. Uh, about the one-man shows, John, I mean, and would we use the word courageous uh, in the opening. You you know, I said to you on the phone, you are a, a, a very, very courageous performer. You know, you've pissed off a fair number of people with the one-man shows, including your family, specifically with Freak. Oh, yeah. yeah my, my, my father tried to sue me. My mom was mad at me forever, but I got her a, a house, so she... <laughs> That's what, that's what I love about my mom. She has a price tag, and and that that's that's unconditional love to me. You made a, uh, You said a very nice <laughs> thing about your mom in your Tony acceptance speech. You said the single moms were superheroes. Oh yeah, yeah. My my, my mom, what she put up with two boys as crazy as we were going to school and like you know three jobs. I mean, she was she was everything. She, my mom was everything. She put up with everything. I mean, I, I was I got into so much trouble. I I I got arrested for delinquency. I mean, who? Who who gets arrested for uh, truancy? I mean, truancy. Uh huh. Because we were cut from school and we were in Times Square trying to see a porn movie in high school, and they arrested us for hanging out. That's a rite of passage, right? Yeah. Now, anyway, do, you, do you remember which film you saw? <laughs> Did it have PK in it? <laughs> all I remember there was a lot of people in trench coats. That's all. I we were, we were like young kids. We were like, oh, ew, this is disgusting. It was, it was, yeah, it was horrifying. What about the fallout from Ghetto Clown? Because obviously, and it, you know, you said I was young when you wrote the book. I was young. I was full of myself. You took you took some chances telling some tales out of school uh, about oh, yeah, your co-stars. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, you saw Pacino would would couldn't come and see the show, and yeah, yeah. Anything else? Uh, Swayze was upset. You know, Swayze's at that time said that, you know, if he saw me, he, he you know, he was going to punch me. Uh, that's what happens. That's what, nobody, wants, nobody wants to hear, everybody wants to hear all the good stories about themselves. They don't want to hear anybody punking on them. And, and, and I was a little bit, but I, it, it was a sacrifice to show people that even when you're successful, you still got to fight for quality and you still got to fight for yourself, for your, for your dignity. I mean, you still got to fight. I mean, it's, it's not just, you're successful and everything comes to you. What about your wife? When I, when my, my wife and I watched Sexaholics the other night, and there's 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 a lot of reve reveals in no, there. No, she's not happy about that. <laughs> she's not. No, she's not happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> she's not happy about it then. She wasn't happy about it. She's not going to be happy about us talking about it. Uh, okay. Talking about how unhappy she is about it. <laughs> we'll cut it out. <laughs> we, we, no, you can keep this because we didn't talk about it. Let's talk about Latin history for morons, too, uh, which is just, uh, you know, it's an important piece of work in, in addition to being a very entertaining piece of work. Uh, you were you were motivated by your son being bullied in school. Yeah. To, well, to, well, what happened? What to happened tell was, an important story to set the yeah, to, yeah. to set the record straight to rewrite well, history I, for people. I wanted my son to be able to defend himself verbally, not with fists. You know, I mean, I wanted I wanted to stop the cycle. Mm -hmm. And 
And so let, I, I thought, let me do research and find out and give them things to be proud of for being a Latin person. And then when I'm starting doing the research, I'm finding out, wait a minute, 10,000 Latin patriots, unknown Latin patriots fought in the American Revolutionary War. We had generals, Galvez, who had an army of mitzvahs of 3,000 Puerto Ricans, Cubans, Mexican-Americans, freed slaves. Mm -hmm. and, and, and they pushed the British all out of the South and he donated $75,000 worth of weapons. Cuban women in the American Revolutionary War in Virginia sold their jewelry to feed the patriots. I mean, we've been around making this country happen. And then in the Civil War, 20,000 of us fought. 20, the first admiral was David Farragut, Venezuelan Philip Bazaar, uh, Puerto Rican uh, uh, Augusto Rodriguez were all handed the Medal of Honor from Abraham Lincoln. I mean, we, we've been around doing great things, and it's just not in Discovery Channel, not in a Ken Burns movie. It's just our, our contributions are erased. So I did this show to bring that information forward in the most entertaining possible way, because even if you give it to people straight, they don't want it. Of course. It's also, watching the show, it's also an indictment of, of the American public school system and the New York City public school system that we both grew up in, because that information isn't available. At, right, one, right. at one point, you pull out a textbook, your son's textbook, and you, and you, and you go, you, you rifle through the pages looking for any mention of these people. You have to turn to Howard Zinn's alternative uh, uh, book. The people's, yeah, yeah. The, people, was, the people's, people's history. history. Yeah, it was of a great, the United States. It's a great, a, great, incredible, an essential I, book. You heard from Howard Zinn's daughter? At yes, some point it did. In Latin history, yes, it did. Because yeah. uh, you know, I paid such tribute to it, and there was an uptake on uh, on Amazon for uh, uh -huh. People's History of the United States. An essential book. An essential book, man. Yeah. It's a, yes. it's a must read, life changing. Uh, and she DM'd me and said, "Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm so glad the book was important to you. It's important to my father and." It's just very touching that she understood that I that I respect her father and his father her father's work. It's a it's a great show with with contemporary references. We won't go into them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, to, uh, you know, uh, con con connections to the current administration, but it's it's an important piece of work. Thank you, thank you. I mean, I tried. I, I wanted to make a difference, and I feel like I have. I mean, uh, you know, Julian Castro, who ran for president, came to see the show, and his brother. Uh, we had uh, Alexandria Ocasio come. Oh, wonderful. Pitfall, you know, it, and uh, a lot of important politicians came by through. And, and, I, and I feel like the information is getting out there, you know, like uh, Eric Garcetti, the mayor of L.A., came to see it. And, and then he proposed a whole inclusion of Latin history in California textbooks. Yeah, well, I mean, it's in the news. I mean, the 1619 Project is in the news now. Yes, every, yes. every day and Tom Cotton right. fighting. We won't make the show too political. Uh, Gilbert, this is interesting. One of John's greatest uh, honors in show business was being drawn by the great Al Hirschfeld. Oh, one of the greats. But then he died. He died. <laughs> another, another, <laughs> another casualty. He drew my picture and then he died. So they didn't post it in the New York Times. It's an unpublished oh. Hirschfeld. Oh, God, that, but that is an honor. My it God. is an honor. Yeah, I mean, I was, I, I couldn't believe it with a Nina in it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, a, man. A true, a true how many, honor. How many Ninas did you have? I think I only had one. Oh. Because it's funny. <laughs> how I many do you have? <laughs> Gilbert, I, were you ever drawn by Hirschfeld? No. You were drawn I, by Mort Drucker? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. I was drawn by Mort Drucker. And and by Drew Friedman. Of course. Oh yeah, Drew. It's the great incredible. Drew Friedman. 
I was joined by Drew Friedman. There you go. An honor. Yeah, it's incredible honor. All three of us. This is so funny. When you said Al Hirschfeld and Nina, I start looking at you and going, well, it could be in the mustache or the hair. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's it, Nina? (laughs) Yeah. John, you've worked with so many legendary directors. Ridley Scott, you and Gilbert both worked for the late Tony Scott, by the way. Oh, Tony. What a lovely human being. Yeah. Such a sad end to a life. Yeah. Did you throw up on him, though? Yes, we were doing this movie called Revenge. I mean, I, I was a young guy, and I was drinking and partying. We were in Mexico City, and I was drinking too much tequila. And and I and then I, I ordered Chapulines, which is a Mexican delicacy called fried grass, grasshoppers. Uh-huh. And I ate too much and drank too much. And the next day, I, he's like, you know, directing us. Come on, John, go out there, rock and roll. You know how to do it, John. Bring it, bring it. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And I'm running and running, and he yelled, cut. And I come back to him, and I'm like, blah, blah, blah. I threw up all over the poor man in his hairy chest. There you oh. go. Gilbert, you did not throw up on Tony Scott when you uh, made Be- no. Beverly Hills Cop 2. Yeah. And and that my experience with him was uh, like in that scene, because me and Eddie kept doing it different each time they shot it. And how he stayed out of it and just let us <laughs> play. And, That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because a lot of directors, that, that takes a lot of confidence in a director to let his actors have fun. And know that that's going to make your movie better. Not yeah. a lot of directors understand that. You've also worked with Spike Lee in Summer of oh, Sam. Oh, great. The You've great. just worked with Barry Levinson, who we had here. Oh, you had Barry. What What a great artist. We did this Isn't incredible he? movie just now called Harry Haft. It's a true story uh, uh, of a Jewish prisoner in, in Auschwitz who fights, who this, the Nazis make him fight other Jewish prisoners to the death, but he survives because they feed him and they protect him. And then he finally can escape and he comes to America and he fights Rocky Marciano. And I, and I, and I, I'm, I'm his fighting coach in America in 1949. Wow. Oh, true a, story. True story. Great body of work, Barry. Barry. It is. This is his opus, his magnum opus. How about that? Masterpiece. Masterpiece. But, but this leads me to a question from a listener, music and monsters. He calls himself. Will John share anything about working with the late, great George Romero? Oh, oh wow. George Romero. Yeah. You know, he was Cuban. I didn't oh, know that. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Geez. Half For- Cuban, half Lithuanian from the Bronx, from the BX. How about that? <laughs> I always thought of him as a Pittsburgh guy. Right, because he moved there and he stayed there. But he's, he told me he was originally from the Bronx. And, and oh, man, I, I did Land of the Dead. Uh, I think his second to last feature. It was his most expensive feature. He got $20 million to do that one. And and the brother, man, he was incredible. He was 69 years old. He only drank Coke, coffee, and smoked cigarettes. No real food ever entered his body. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and he's like Romero. Romero was like every of, of the 10,000 shows of the undead. And and the movies, it all goes back to him. And he doesn't get any money for it. I mean, if yeah. you created, he invented a zombie. I mean, the, the, all that zombie culture came from him. How come he's not getting a piece of that? I don't understand. Yeah. How about De Palma? Anything you can tell us about working? Uh, you did Casualties of War when you were a young, unpro- yeah, yeah. unproven actor. And then obviously Benny Blanco. Yeah, De Palma was wild, man. I mean, he, he, was, he was amazing. He loved, he loves real tension in front of the camera 
Like he loves shit to go down. And, uh, you know, we, we, it was a bunch of young actors. We're, we're in Thailand. Stephen Baldwin was originally in it. Mm-hmm. And then he was fired and they, they, they cast John C. Riley. This is Casualties of War. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, uh, yeah, 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 it was fun. Was there something about <laughs> you being slapped repeatedly? Oh, well, there's a scene where Sean Penn, he's like a rogue sergeant. You know, like what happens in the war, you know, guys start losing their morality, start losing sort of the sense of who they are. And he he wants us, the, the, it's based on a true story. The sergeant wants us to rape this poor Vietnamese girl as a rite of passage. And, and my character refuses. So Sean Penn's character has to slap me into submission. So we're doing this scene and, it, and, and it's not going right. And I don't know why, because I, my face is out to here by now on the 13th take. I'm even talking like this now because I can't really pronounce because my face is so swollen. <laughs> You're taking like Sid the Sloth. Yeah, basically with, with where I created the character. And, and, and Sean is slapping me and he's going to slap me one more time. And I go, cut, cut. I can't do this anymore. And, and, uh, th- and then th- it's not even in the movie. They cut the scene out of the movie. Wow. Oh, that hurts. All that slapping. And it's not in the movie. And Sean was slapping me for real because he's, he's method too. <laughs> wow. And what was Michael J. Fox like to work with? Oh, he's a fun guy, man. He, we were playing a lot of poker with him, and he, you know, he was, he, he was, he, he was, he's very different. You know, like Penn is really intense, and he, and he was a sergeant twenty four seven, so he was always like, you know, drilling us and and being a tough guy, and and then Fox was on the other hand, he's, a, you know, he's just more charismatic, fun guy to hang out with. You had a point, and I refer back to the book again. You had a point in your career where you said you were done playing roles that were physically taxing where you sort of had to, you know, you were done trying to prove yourself as an actor. Spawn was a part like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a time where I was like, you know, it was Tu Wong Fu with the gender bender and the plucking and all that stuff. Then it was Spawn, and I was like in a, basically this this hellish costume for like, they would pick me up at 4 a.m. in the morning to put makeup on my face, which was glued, glue to my face, up to my eyeballs, and then they put, ginormous contacts and fake teeth and the heat in that thing was was ridiculous and i was like i can't do this anymore i I need to start doing roles that are more like me unless i don't have to run away from myself anymore gilbert did you ever have a role where you had to you you had to undergo that like prosthetic makeup uh yeah in fact that was when when barry levinson was on we talked about that we did a pilot and in the pilot, I was doing a character that was a middle-aged man, and somehow oh. middle-aged became a thousand in between uh, uh, director, producer, and makeup men, because I looked like in the movies, like, well, like when they stabbed the painting of Dorian Gray. <laughs> yeah. And so they used to, they would do the uh, calls and say, okay, Everybody get here at uh, eight o'clock in the morning and Gilbert, you get here at three. And it was like they would do hours of prosthetics. Right, and, right. And the thing never went anywhere anyway. <laughs> that's the that's the worst. That's to- the worst. Toast oh, of and, Manhattan. And I started to get. Yeah, I started to get like my skin. Oh, yeah. Like a rash all mm-hmm. over my face. And they said to stay out of the sun. 
And every it was pretty horrible. Yeah, so I, I had blisters all over my face. Yeah. Like like pus filled blisters, calluses. And the suit was so restricting that you said you wound up squatting through the whole movie? Well, you know, the, I was trying to be as tall as the character is supposed to be four eleven, as created by Todd McFarlane sure, sure, uh, for Spawn. Sure. So I, I had to measure me to be exactly four eleven, and they couldn't come up with any device that you know could. They tried to come up with little seats that with wheels and and springs, but nothing could hold me up correctly. So I had I had end up had to like squat. I mean, my I had buns of steel by then, but <laughs> it, it, but it was hard to do. And to lose the trek, another extremely physically taxing part. Oh yeah, I, that that was that was really that was the toughest thing because uh, I had to learn how to I, I had to I had to learn how to balance because uh, to lose a trek was four nine or something like that, and 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 Baz Luhrmann wanted me to be exact height, and I had to learn how to balance on miniature like seven inch prosthetic feet, and I had to learn how to balance on that. And I ended up compressing my whole lower back. Like I could see like some days lightning would rush to the top of my head. Wow. But it was a great character. I mean, it, that, yeah. that movie is brought back the musical that had been dead since 1972. Grease was the last successful uh, musical until Moulin Rouge. A very audacious movie. Mm-hmm. That man. Is it very audacious, man? Baz. Baz, Baz, yeah, Baz, Baz Luhrmann. Luhrmann. Yeah, it's it's a it, you know there's so much going on in that movie. I, that's what that's what I love about it. I mean, the energy is so it was so modern at the time, so MTV. I got to ask you too about all the great character actors you've worked with because I told you when we were doing we were we were chatting on the phone about how we love character actors on this show. We've had your friend Griffin Dunn. Oh, I love Griffin. And Steve Buscemi was here, and Joey Pants was here, and so great ma- great character. Actors. Oh, so many that we love and. I mean, I, I just have to ask you about, we'll ask about Jim Broadbent, since we're talking about Moulin Rouge. Another great character actor. Yeah, Brilliant. yeah. And two guys we lost uh, recently, uh, Robert Forster and Brian Dennehy. Oh, and, I work with both of them. I, yeah. I, I, my, I, I directed a boxing movie for HBO, and Robert Forster was, was in the movie. And what a nice professional guy, man. What a talent. And Brian Dennehy's one of a yeah. kind. You know, really, nobody knows, but he was an Ivy League, super bright, but always playing Irish cops. But he was a, he was an intellect. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. But first, a word from our sponsor. Can you tell us one thing about working with Arnold? Arnold. Arnold had me rolling. He is one of the funniest <laughs> dudes. Yo, his sense of humor is crazy, man, because nobody makes me laugh on the set all day long like Arnold. Arnold was like, really? Ar- oh, Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger made you laugh on this more all than any long. of the other people you've oh, worked hell with. hell yeah. Great, comic, great comics and comedic actors that you've worked with. I don't know if it was comedy that he was saying, <laughs> but, but he was talking shit about everybody, <laughs> which I can't repeat because I'm not going to get anybody in trouble, but he would say the most... You know, but audacious shit that made me laugh all day long. And he goes, John, you're, you're always laughing at me. You make me think I'm a comedian. <laughs> I go, I just love the crazy shit you say because I, I, I think it, but I can't even say that. What? Uh, this is interesting, too, about Toulouse. Uh, you, <laughs> I, I didn't know this until I read your book. He was called the, the tripod by oh, women. Yeah, by women. Yeah. By, by he, he, because I. Because, you know, he was a product of two first cousins. This should be a lesson to people not to oh. sleep with their cousins. Because he had cartilage-like lips and, and tongue. That's why he spoke with a lift. 
and uh, and his 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 he was uh, his legs were hardened, and for some reason he also had a very large penis. So the bo- <laughs> they call Gilbert the tripod. Yeah, but I think it's only because it's perspective because the legs are short, so it makes everything else look longer. I don't of know. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so the keys to have shorter legs. <laughs> Gilbert, now that you know John a little bit, do you feel comfortable asking him about being in the all-black version of the Honeymooners? Oh, my God. Yes, with... Um, Cedric. Uh, Cedric, Cedric Entertainer, Entertainer and Mike Entertainer. Epps. Yes. That, that was a movie that needed to be made. <laughs> <laughs> we, roast, know, we roast it, you a little bit here, John. No, no, it, it did need to be made, but not the way it was made. <laughs> <laughs> it, just, it was not... And it wasn't my, and it wasn't Mike Epps or Cedric's fault or any of our fault, man. It was just the 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 studio wanted to make it too Disney, too cute, and it, and it, and it killed it. I mean, if you're gonna remake the Honeymooners, you got to go like rude and 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 bring it up to date. Yeah, that's true. I think that's because Cedric would have been a great. He would Cedric would have been a great Jackie Gleason. He just needed to be more Cedric and less, you know, a '50s sitcom. So that so it got Disneyfied. Yeah, yeah. They could never allow in a show or movie for Ralph Crampton to say, you know, go, yeah, going to the moon, Alice. To the moon, Alice. I mean, that he's going to punch his wife? Come yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> I love you so much, I'm going to knock you out. No, that, yeah. doesn't, that doesn't play in our modern world. As, as we wind down, John, Darren Bokes, uh, another listener, does, uh, does John have any memories about being in the Madonna video for Borderline? Of course, man. I mean, the rumor was that Madonna was like into Latin guys and she would drive her limousine around and pick them up in the alphabet city. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, yo, I'm going to make it easier. I'm going to show up on the set and be right there. <laughs> but uh, all I got was a pat in the back and a sandwich. <laughs> Sam Weisberg, early in your career, John, you played multiple hilarious parts in the underrated Puerto Rican Mambo, not a musical. Uh, yeah, that was one of the early, early things that you do for, you know, because you want to work. And uh, this Puerto Rican cat uh, wrote this script, directed it, produced it, did the whole thing himself. And he had me playing one of those Latin guys who, who you know, are self-hating, a self-hating Latin guy. I have to tell people, too, before we get to the new movie that you directed, and we'll talk about that, I just want to tell people to, to find uh, Ghetto Clown if they can find it, and and Latin history for morons, they're both terrific shows. I've been having oh, thank you, I've been having trouble finding uh, a Ghetto Clown streaming it, but there's a documentary about the making of, which from is PBS, yeah, fascinating. Your work ethic that you actually decided to take the show to Colombia and learn fluent Spanish, Spanish. so that, that you could hard. do the entire show in Spanish. It was brutal, man. It was a year of my life. I was like a monk. I was like, yeah. all I did was like rehearse in Spanish, had a, had a grammar teacher, a dialect teacher. It was like learning a foreign language that I, but I already knew, but I couldn't learn it. I, somehow I couldn't retain it in my head. And uh, I was able to do it. I, I traveled. I was one of the first uh, American performers to perform in, in Colombia and it opened it up. And then all of a sudden Beyonce went and Madonna. So it was kind of like a, an important diplomatic move for me to show yeah. how safe it was to perform over there. It's really touching in the documentary how you were embraced there. Oh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. I mean, I feel like when I go there, I feel like I'm with family. 
And you've, which I am. <laughs> you've opened up theater to so many new audiences, which you, which you should be credited for. Thank you, thank you. I mean, it's important to me. Would you advise Gilbert attempting a one man show? Oh hell yeah, Gil. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, I I guess so. Why not? I, uh, yeah. Or you could do it. Yeah. Could you do something seven nights a week, Gilbert, without losing? That, see, see, that's the part I hate. It, it's like with movies, you hardly have to work. Movies, <laughs> you're sitting around all day. You're at the craft table. Uh, on stage, you actually have to work. Seven, yeah. But, you know, Bruce Springsteen did his show five days a week. He only did five shows. Yeah. And Gilbert, you don't have to be as physical as John. You don't have to dance and do somersaults and all this stuff. You could, you could be like Spalding Gray. You could just sit at a desk. Yeah. To me, walking out on the stage would be my exercise. <laughs> <laughs> Opening uh, the door, walking down the stairs, pushing the curtain. And one of your shows, uh, you had trouble publicizing because of the title. Oh, oh yeah. Well, well, Spicorama, which I can yeah. say. Uh, you know, it was bad. It was bad in Texas and in Canada because of the title. They don't get irony, do they? No, they don't get it. They don't. I mean, they, yeah, Texas is a strange place. We all know that. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully they'll turn blue this this twenty twenty because I mean, forty percent of the population is Latino, twelve percent black in Texas, and it's ready to be blue if they if they didn't gerrymander it or yeah, that the, the gerrymander the hell the out horrible of it. voter restriction. Yeah. That they you, you know it's a felony in Texas. To register somebody if you're not if you're not deputized, and the deputizing office is open once a year. Unbelievable. Oh. So, they, so they definitely don't want democracy there. Let's hope it's in play. Uh, I, Gilbert, I absolutely could see you doing a one man show where you sit on a stool. Yeah. Oh yeah, like Elaine Stretch. Yeah. Come on, she was, Elaine Stretch. She was older than you. Yeah, I'm I'm being compared to Elaine Stretch. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, That's a it's a compliment. She, she, she was like seventy something, and she had the the shirt and nothing underneath. Do you hire a choreographer for all those shows, John? Because I st I told you my wife will stop doing anything she's doing to watch you dance. Yeah, no, I had a choreographer. Yeah, I, you know, I I I wanted my moves to be super tight, so yeah, I got somebody to, to hook me up. And in Sexaholics, was there the, the woman in the audience was not a plant? She was just a woman you pulled out of the audience. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, I made it a plant because some people couldn't dance. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be dancing with somebody who can't dance. I had to. I had to ask. <laughs> Tell us about the new movie, Critical Thinking. Uh, Critical Thinking is 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 my, my independent film debut. Uh, comes out September fourth on all platforms. It's it's this true story of five Latin kids who became United States chess champions in 1998, and they came from the ghettoest ghetto in Miami, and they they were regional champs, state champs. And, and then became United States chess champions when nobody believed in them. They had no money, no recourses, and, and they made it. And when does it come out? September 4th. Okay, good, good. And, wh and what's happening with this comic book that you told me about, with Image Comics? Yeah, let me show you, let me show you my little comic book. <laughs> uh, Gonna pick th it up. Th these, these are the test pages. I don't know if you can see that. That looks yeah, great. You know. And, and, and here it is, transforming. So it's called Phenom X and the Uncontrollables. Uncontrollables. And Todd McFarlane, who did Spawn with me, is publishing them on Image Comic Books, which is the third largest publisher in, in the world after Marvel and DC is Image. So it's a huge honor for me and, and, a, and a lucky break. So you're the only guy working during the pandemic. 
Basically. I mean, I got a lot of time on my hands. <laughs> <laughs> I might as well produce. What's the future of movie theaters, in your opinion, John? Because some, you know New York. We're all New Yorkers. So many of them have closed. We've lost the Ziegfeld. Oh, I know. I, what, know. What, I mean, the movie-going experience, seeing, an audience, seeing a movie, especially a comedy, with an audience and a group experience. Hey, there's nothing like it. I mean, it's not, they're not going to go away. I mean, people understand that it's an event, and you're going for the event and a shared experience. You, watching a TV at home, is a, it's, it's not the same. We all know it's not the same. You don't laugh as loud. Things don't hit you as hard. It's it, theaters will come back as soon as the COVID goes away. You think so? Absolutely, absolutely. I hope Cause, so. Because the theaters were going before the COVID, they were closer. Some, 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 but not a lot of them were still going. I mean, my son, yeah. my 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 kids are always going to the movie house. What do you think? What are your kids? Your kids are older now, but what, did they get a kick out of you in Ice Age? Did they get a kick out of? Uh, because I've asked this of Gilbert because his kids were young and. He introduced them to Iago, and you know, there's that weird thing, right, Gilbert? Where though, yeah, that's, they don't, that's they daddy. don't really like it. They don't like it. Yeah, no, they don't like it. I, I, it, there was some uh, cartoon on with my voice in it, so I, I told my daughter, "Oh, look, look, look at this character," and it started talking as me, and she just nodded her head and went back to her room. Right, right, yeah. basically that's <laughs> it. I mean, dads always like stop me in a restaurant. They go, "Hey, hey, hey, come here, John. Hey, Johnny, come here." Hey, 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 my son, say hello to my son. This is Sid the Sloth. And I go, this is not going to go well, sir. I mean, it's going to shock the child. And he goes, no, no, do the voice. So I start going like Sid the Sloth. And the kids are like horrified that this mustachioed <laughs> old man <laughs> is a character that they like. But you like the experience. You 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 liked going into the booth oh, yeah. and not having other actors to worry about. Oh, my God. No egos, no publicists. I don't have to deal with other people's bullshit. And you can... <laughs> You don't even have to brush your teeth. <laughs> you don't even have to wear deodorant. You don't have to do nothing. You're in a booth by your damn self doing whatever the fuck you want. I love it. So you and Dennis and, and Ray Romano, you guys were never in the same. We did it once together and it was a big fail. Okay. Because they can't, they, we were so over talking, they couldn't separate the voices. And Gilbert, you never, uh, as you've said on this show I, many times, you and Robin were never together. Yeah. And I hear all these stories about how, boy, when Gilbert and Robin went into a sound booth together, that was craziness. And I never ran into him once. <laughs> <laughs> At the premiere, right? That's the first time you see each other. Yeah. John, we got to plug the book. I know it's a, what, a 16-year-old book now? Yeah. Or a 14-year-old yeah, yeah, book? Uh, Pimps, Hoes, Player Haters. Uh, and the rest of my Hollywood friends. The rest of my Hollywood friends. <laughs> I mean, not just, not not even just for the Hollywood stories, but it's it, there's there's so much in there about your early days, and and your relationships and 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 crazy assistants. Oh my God, yeah, the crazy yeah, stalker was... assistant. I mean, there's so <laughs> so much. If you're a fan of John Leguizamo's, pick, pick up the book. Is there an audio book of you narrating it? No, I didn't do it. I, that's oh, what I got to do next. You Thank you, Frank. There's an idea. <laughs> More to do during the pandemic. You could do it during COVID, during <laughs> let me, lockdown. Let me, let me write it down. Let me write that down. And, uh, <laughs> you got to do it. Gilbert, uh, you, Gilbert, you did your audio book, right? Yeah, I hated doing that. Why? Come on. Yeah, You're such a good reader. Yeah. <laughs> I I guess it was reading my own writing. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> you start criticizing yourself. Yes. 
I want to also recommend, you know, John, I know you're a movie buff too. And another time we'll have you back. We'll just talk about old movies. Oh, I love them. I, I'm, I'm a criterion freak. You're a criterion. I got, the, freak. I, got the, I got the app. I got all the movies at home. The, Fellini, Bergman, uh, uh, Dreyer. Those, those, I mean, those criterion uh, yeah. discs are fantastic. And they're always running sales. They, they, they got, new, they got a, a couple of new box collections coming out that I'm going to buy on one's Fellini and the other one's uh, Bergman. Are you a Maltese Falcon fan? Of course. What if I, I mean, what if I ask Gilbert to do a little, a little Peter Laurie for you? Do a little Peter Laurie for me, Gilbert. No, it's you who bought it. You are just stupid attempt to buy it. Kevin found out how valuable it was. No wonder he had such an easy time getting it. You idiot. You bloated fathead. <laughs> oh my god! I, I I could I could see uh, I was I was back watching the movie. I love it. Yes, it also doubles as Ren from Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> it serves multi purposes. John, this was fun. We'll just we'll talk we'll talk about movies and old show business some other time. So uh, so the comic book, the movie is critical thinking. You're gonna now do an audio version of the book. Yes, that's I, I wrote it down. Look at that. We are it's done. We are thrilled that you came here. Oh, what a blast. Great seeing you, Gilbert. I'll talk to you next time I'm on a plane, I promise. <laughs> yeah, next time you guys have something. You guys could just talk about the nutty professor for six or, hours. Or not. Or yeah. not. <laughs> What's your no, favorite next Jerry time movie? We won't even look at each other. Money from home. Money from home. Huh? Money from home, the the, the first 3D comic comedy movie. That's your your favorite what? Jerry Lewis movie. I don't even know that movie. Ah, Gilbert, do you know that one? Money from Home. I don't know either. It's a three D comedy one. It's a, the first three D comedy ever. Oh, you, you have to wear glasses to see it. Wow. Jeez. Are you a Nutty Professor fan? Oh, of course. Both versions, the Eddie Murphy <laughs> one and the original. I love both. <laughs> you guys oh, can just talk about what's that, Gilbert? Still the taste of wine. Then I remember your mind, and <laughs> I've got a world that's fine. <laughs> bring it, baby, bring it. You guys can spend six hours on a flight just talking about Jerry. We, yeah, yeah, we Jerry want to could. also thank our mutual friend Charlie Kochman for making oh, this Oh, Charlie's possible. the best, man. What a great man. We love Charlie. Great, great. He's doing some amazing books. Oh, the, yeah. John, Lew John Lewis's next book. Uh, I, I mean, just incredible work. He's involved in everything. Yeah. Yeah. Great Charlie's heart. one of those guys that, that he and I have fo followed similar paths. I worked for Mad Magazine and Top Straight. Oh, so cards. did he. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we never, so strangely, we never met until we met through Gilbert and Dara. Did, did you work? He worked at Marvel, too, didn't he, uh, Charlie? Yeah, I think it was, a D, I think it was DC. DC, DC. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah we, we, also, we crossed paths there briefly as well. Yeah, um, Charlie, Pul Char Charlie published my, my Ghetto Clown book. He's the best. Love that book. He's the best. He's the best. He can and he can do anything. Gilbert, anything else for this man? You promise to talk to him next time on a flight? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he can't even promise. He can't even promise. And will you do the odd couple with John? He promised to do the Sunshine Boys with Jason I, I, Jason I Alexander. Have, I have the play. I'm going to scan the pages and send them to you. Next time we're going to do a reading. And I got to recommend Freak and Sexaholics. And, and Mambo Mouth, even though there are characters you can't do anymore in Mambo Mouth. 
<laughs> yeah, you can't do a lot of this, can Plus, I don't even have I don't even have the rights. My manager robbed them from me, so okay. I can't. Okay, oh. we won't plug that one. And yeah, Latin, yeah, yeah. Latin for Latin uh, history for morons is important work. Oh uh, yeah, Netflix. You can get that Netflix. And people Netflix. people need Thank to you, check Frank. it out. And you and I will produce Gilbert's one man show. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll direct it. <laughs> Gilbert, start start. Doing some aerobics. We got to get uh, you. Oh uh, yes. <laughs> Does he need a trainer? Get, get on the, he needs to get on. Get a trainer. Get on a treadmill. We got to. We got to bring your uh, the dynamics up. Come on. Oh, I I'd like like uh, Ray. Uh, uh, oh, what? Ray the Romano? Fuck? No, no, no. Uh, Raymond Burr. Raymond Burr. I heard. Uh, he's the one who had the idea. He said, "I want to show where I could sit." <laughs> and they they changed it from a, a, a detective to a right, right. detective. So he could be in a wheelchair. Yeah. So he could sit down. So he could rest. Gil, or you, you, like a dying patient in a hospital. Right, right. Where he could lie down. How about a detective in an iron lung who solves yeah. crimes, Gil? <laughs> a, a euthanasia cop who, who, who solves crime from his bed. <laughs> the, like the bone collector. Yeah, yeah, right. Something like that. Yeah. Oh, Gil. John, this was great, and we thank oh, what you. What a pleasure, Frankie. Thank you, Gilbert. Great seeing you, man. Big hugs. Thank you, and uh, okay, this is Gilbert Gottfried. This has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my co-host Frank Santo Padre, and we've been talking to the man who turned down Philadelphia. Academy Award winning Philadelphia (laughs) to do that piece of shit (laughs) Super Mario Bros. You're not wrong. (laughs) John Leguizamo. Millions of kids would disagree with you, Gilbert. Yeah, yeah, they would. would. But not the Academy. (laughs) Thank you, John. Thank you, Frankie. We'll do it again. Absolutely. Much love, guys.